0: this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, probably one of the worst lies there is out there is the lie that you tell yourself and that you believe. Uh, you know, people lie to each other. Um, we find even in the Bible where people lie to God. But where it all starts is when you start lying to yourself and believing your own lies. And so, It's so important for us to have the discernment that we need to be self-aware to expose our own lies, walk away from them, and replace those lies with the truth. So listen in today to how you can do that, how you can expose your own lies and begin to enjoy the freedom of the truth of God for yourself. As we look at Acts 5 and read a shocking Disturbing story that happened in the early church, and I want you to picture yourself, if this happened in our church today, we would freak out. (laughs) We would be uh, bothered, uh, severely bothered. Uh, In fact, the law enforcement would probably get involved if something like this happened. Let's read it, and let's see what we think about this. Uh, I'll just start reading. You can follow along. It's in Acts uh, chapter five, verses one through about eleven. And uh, there, you know, they just had a healing. the 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 leaders of the church had just been taken to court, basically, for healing a man. Thousands of people were being saved and converted. They were becoming believers in Jesus. And then this happens. <laughs> The people were selling their possessions and bringing stuff, uh, giving to the church. The church was thriving. And so there's this man named Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira, who sell a piece of property, okay? And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. That wasn't a problem. We'll see that. That was not the issue. But they brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet, I guess, just as We took an offering just now. They were giving their money. And Peter says to Ananias, who's the man, he says, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? And I'm I'm curious, have you ever lied to God before? Maybe unknowingly, but anyways, these people lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land. Didn't it all belong to you before you sold it? And after you sold it, wasn't wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but you've lied to God. And Peter here has what we'd call supernatural discernment. He discerned that they were lying. They were coming saying that they were bringing all the money, to probably to make themselves look good, because others were doing this. They were selling their property and bringing all the money of the proceeds from the sale to the church, to the gathering of believers. And these people said, well, look, I guess, and I'm reading a lot into this, you know, let's sell our property, let's take some of the money for ourselves and act like we're bringing all of the money into the church, and it will look good. That's, that's my guess of what was going on here. All right, but when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Can you imagine? Somebody brings their offering here to the front and I communicate with them and they fall over dead. (laughs) I mean, that would be very disturbing. That would be a huge problem. We'd have to call the paramedics in. The police would get involved. They'd be asking us a lot. Can you imagine the complications of something like this happening in church? Well, he, he falls down dead, and great fear seizes all of those who heard what had happened, and then some young men come up from, like, you know, Jacob and Kyle and several would come up and take the body out, all right, and they carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, this didn't stop, okay, three hours later, his wife comes in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asks her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she says, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of God? In other words, how could you see how far you could get away with things in God's sight? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. At that moment, she falls down at his feet and dies as well. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these events. Now, we're just reading through Acts. You're going to hear stories like this, crazy, shocking, amazing stories like this. And, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it, it, it requires our attention God is a holy God. God is a holy God. And lying to God apparently is highly offensive to him. We shouldn't, if there's something to get from this, is God hates lying. He doesn't want us to be, I didn't say God hates liars. He hates the lying that the liars do, that they say. God is holy and God has a level of tolerance. He's merciful. He's graceful. He loves us. But I'll tell you what, at some point, God's patience with people runs out. And, and that's a dangerous thing to say because then you can live in condemnation and say, Oh, Steve, well, I'm probably at the end of God's patience. And I'm telling you, here, to tell you, here to tell you today, no, you're not. You wouldn't be sitting here today if you're at the end of the line with God. You just wouldn't even be here. You know, the, I think that the, the thing that gets God is pride. It's saying, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. Get out of my way, God. Get out of my life, God. Those are the people that should really be concerned. But we're here today. We're, we're making an effort. We have a desire for God. And so I want us to look at this topic of lying Maybe not so much from the perspective of God's holiness in this this story, but just the topic of line. I want you to know that in Hebrews 4.13, that God sees everything. Line is a worthless thing to do because God knows everything and he sees everything. In Hebrews 4.13, it says nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. God sees it all. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Someday, we're going to have to give an account to God of the things that were not covered by Jesus. Someday, we're going to have to go before God. We're going to appear before him. Everybody, young, small, old, talented, untalented. And by the way, everybody's talented in some form or fashion. And we're going to have to stand before the the throne of God and say, you know what, there's certain things that I didn't ask Jesus to cover with his mercy, with his love, with his grace. And we're going to have to have to give an account of those things. But let's go back to Ananias and Sapphira just really quick. You know, what on earth led these people (laughs) to do this crazy thing of trying to make themselves look good and just give part of the money? It was all at their disposal. It's not It wouldn't have been wrong for them to give a fraction of what they earned on this sale. But just as movies, have you ever watched a movie where you see this little clip and then it says 10 years before or even 30 days before? And then the whole movie is about the backstory of what you just watched. Well, you know, I don't know and you don't know. We don't know what their backstory is, but I can tell you one thing that I've learned from experience. People who lie to other people started off lying to themselves. They started off lying to themselves. And they started believing their own lies, and they got to the place where they they swallowed their own deceit, and now they're out there trying to deceive others because they think it works. And eventually you get to the place where you're trying to deceive God. It's a cover-up. But as we've seen in Hebrews, God sees everything. So why on earth do we lie? And I'm going to give you six reasons that I've lied before (laughs) and six reasons why I think other people lie. This isn't necessarily a comprehensive list. These are just the things that I can think of. And at the end of our message here, I'm going to go through these six things with just a little bit different twist. So really, really think about these as we throw them up here. Number one, we lie because we're trying to cover up a wrongdoing. We did something wrong and we're just trying to damage control, just cover it up, move forward so we don't have to deal with it. So that's one reason why we lie. Another reason why we lie is we're definitely trying to avoid punishment. You know, you you cheat and the teacher asks you did you cheat? And you lie because you're scared that you're going to get in trouble and things just get worse and worse. But you lie because you're trying to avoid punishment. Another one is you lie because you're trying to avoid embarrassment or shame. And all six of these, I've lied for all, probably all six of these reasons. Uh, A fourth one would be that you're trying to cause a false impression of yourself. You lie and you live a lie because you want other people to see you in a good light. And so you, you lie, and maybe not verbally. Some people lie by charging up their credit card to buy nice clothes, nice, a nice house, a, a, a nice car, because they're trying to portray a lie. It's not really who they are, but they're trying to portray a lie. Fifth is you're trying to hurt somebody. The proverbial, you're trying to throw somebody under the bus so you lie about them to get them in trouble. Now, we've been the recipients, I bet... All of us in some form or fashion have been lied before because somebody was just trying to hurt us, all right? So that could be another reason you lie. And then the, the sixth one is maybe the worst one. It's just a habit. You're a a compulsive, not you, but somebody might be a compulsive liar and it's a stronghold in their life and they're more prone to lie than tell the truth. And I bet you've met somebody like this before it's, it's terrible because they're living a lie. They're just constantly lying. It's just a habit that they've formed. So where on earth do lies come from? You know, is it kind of a neutral source? Is it just kind of human nature? Or is there an evil, terrible, horrible place that lies come from? And I'm here to tell you that there's certainly an evil source of lies. And we find this in John 8, 44. Jesus is talking to a religious group and he says, (laughs) you belong to your father. And I won't get to the backstory of this one, but you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. The devil, Satan, was not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him at all. There's no truth in the devil. Not even an ounce, not even a speck. When he lies, he speaks his own native language. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. So when you're tempted to lie, either verbally or through holding back part of the truth or through trying to project an image of yourself, which we all tend to do. I know I... I, To this day, I tend to do that. try to project an image of myself. That's lying. And the source of lies comes from hell itself. It's evil. It's terrible. It's counterproductive. And every lie you and I tell is going to come back and bite us. It's going to get us in trouble. So we know that lies come from Satan himself. And let me tell you what, if you don't believe in Satan, I feel bad for you you should believe in the devil. (laughs) You should believe that the devil exists, demons exist, and they're out to ruin your life. And one of the ways they try to ruin your life is to get you and tempt you to lie about things. This is in contrast to the Holy Spirit. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. There's one source of lies and there's one source of truth. And The truth comes from God. In John 16, 13, we find this. It says, but when he, that's the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to show you, hey, this is a lie, and this is the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. i tell you what, you want more than anything else in this world, if there's one thing you want... It's the truth. It's the truth because the truth sets you free. It strengthens you. It gives you light. It gives you hope, as we will see here in just a minute. So what, look at this. This is amazing. I was thinking about this this week. What does a society look like, a modern day society look like, that has succumbed to lies, has given in to a whole culture of lying Lying, 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 not telling the truth. All right, what does a society look like that that just has this pervasive culture of distrust because of lies? Well, there's two societies that we all know of, two countries that have succumbed to lies. One is coming out of it. The other one is still in it. So let me give you the first one, North Korea. You can do some, some read, read some documentaries, watch some documentaries about what goes on in North Korea, and you will find that there's such insane distrust that even family members don't trust each other because they're constantly turning each other into the government. And what, what it, per, it perpetuates itself and gets worse and worse is let me shoot first before anybody shoots me, so I'll go ahead and lie about somebody to take the, the attention off of myself. And I'm safer when I'm lying about people that I love and care about. Literally, it's terrible. The people who defect out of North Korea and get out to tell their stories are tragic stories of a society who succumbed to lies. Cuba was very much that way under Fidel Castro. It was encouraged that nobody trust each other and that everybody be watching each other and people would lie about each other All the time for the same reason as I've described of North Korea. That's what a society looks like that gives in to lies. I'll tell you what. You can lie so much, too, that you actually begin to believe your own lies. And there's not a person in this room that isn't living some form of a lie in your life right now. You believe something that simply is not true in Galatians 6 3 it says if anyone thinks that they are something when they're not they deceive themselves look at this word deceives themselves and it's several times mentioned in the Bible of a person or a group of people deceiving themselves I don't want to deceive myself I already have enough problems with other people deceiving me and thoughts in my head deceiving me and media deceiving me and political figures and religious figures trying to deceive me I don't need to be deceiving myself on top of all of that, right? We've got to be careful that we're not believing some of our own lies. So here's here's what I'd like to spend just a few minutes on is how can you tell when someone is lying? Wouldn't you like it if every time somebody's talking to you and they say a lie that something goes off in your mind, you say, aha, you may not tell them out loud, but you think in your mind, aha, That person is lying to me. Wouldn't you like that gift or ability or talent or whatever to be able to pinpoint lies? Here's a better one still, though. Wouldn't you like in your own mind when you think a thought that's a lie that you pinpoint? You say, aha, that's a lie. I don't want to believe or even think that thought anymore because it's not true. Wouldn't you like that? Well, what that term is called is discernment. God wants to give you a discerning spirit to, to pinpoint lies from the enemy and from others and say, that is not true. I'm not going to buy into that. I'm not even going to listen to that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm certainly not going to believe that. Look, in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. 31, it says, but if we were more discerning regarding ourselves, I think this inter- this." Scripture is so interesting. To discern yourself, to be what we call self-aware and 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 looking inside of ourselves and realize what's going on in our inside of ourselves. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Such judgment. All right. So first, before we start worrying about other people's lives, we have to start figuring out our own lies with it, with the help of God. So we need to develop the self-awareness, the self-discernment to know when we're lying to ourselves. I'll tell you what, if you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, you're already believing a lie because you're evaluating yourself based on physical appearance. When the Bible tells us that God looks at our hearts So that's an example of a lie. Another lie would be someone who's sick and says, I am never going to get better. They've believed a lie. Someone who is struggling financially and says, I am never going to get out of credit card debt or I'm never going to get out of poverty. They've believed a lie. See, there's a lot of lies that go through our minds. If, if you've been rejected by somebody, you could begin to develop a lie in your head that says, I'm never going to be loved. I'm never going to be accepted. I'm never, I'm never going to feel at home. And God wants you to feel at home. See, these are lies. Somebody who's, who's gotten to a certain level in their job and and they can't seem to push back past that glass ceiling they say I'm never going to progress forward yes you are that you're believing a lie see you see the lies that go through our heads there's lots of them and and they pound us we have up to i've heard up to 10,000 thoughts a day and let me tell you what if 20% of those thoughts are lies we're in big trouble we're in big trouble because these lies can be self-fulfilling prophecies that we end up living out, and they do become our reality. But with God's help, that's not going to be you or me. We're going to get past this. Amen? So we need to be discerning. We need to be aware. We need to you know, have that, that spiritual ability to say, that's a lie. I'm not going to be thinking that anymore. So where do you get this discernment from? Well, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, we find that the person without the Spirit does not accept the Holy Spirit, okay? Does not accept the things that comes from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Nor can this person understand because they are not discerned, they're only discerned by the Spirit of God. So what this verse tells us is, in order to become a discerning spirit, a discerning person, even a self-discerning person, you need the Holy Spirit of God to help you. You need to be able to hear what the Spirit of God is telling you. He's the Spirit of truth. He's going to be able to shine a spotlight into your soul, into your mind, and He's going to help you start pulling out those lies that have been plaguing you, And replacing those lies with truth so that you can live a free life. Can you imagine a person who has self-hatred for themselves? Maybe they've been abused as a child. Maybe they've gone through a traumatic experience and they look at themselves and they hate themselves. Can you imagine if that lie was pulled out of them and the truth of God was put into them and that person began to love themselves the way that God loves them? See, that's the freedom that God brings. That's the truth, the power of the truth of God that can change your life. Lord. Change my life. Praise God. So let me tell you what. It is time now. What's today's date? The 19th of February. It's probably, what, 11 o'clock? Let's see what time it is here. 11.25. The time is now for you to start being a self-discerning person and being aware of the lies that pass through your mind and also begin to discern the lies in other people and start praying for him, Say, God, let that lie be silenced in their mind. They don't need to believe that lie anymore. The time is right now. Well, let's talk a little bit about discerning other people and, and give you a taste of what, supernatural discernment looks like? What's spirit-led discernment looks like? Well, I'll give you one story about myself and one story about someone else. So there's this lady many, many years ago that I used to work with, and we'd, we'd work together for a period of time uh, each year for about a month. She was not really part of our company. They'd come in and do some work, and so I'd work with her. A sweet lady, she was probably about my age, maybe a little bit older, um, had a wonderful family, and uh, we, we talk about, you know, she went to church, I went to church, we talked to, about what God was doing, about our families and whatnot, and uh, so that was one year. The next year she came in, and I could see something had changed in this lady, <laughs> bad, in a bad way. Uh, something wasn't right, and what was going on in me was a discernment, you know, it was, it was seeing, hey, something's not right here, and as I saw her from day to day, I started praying for her, and It began to realize in me that she was struggling with if she wanted to stay married or not. And apparently there was some man involved outside of her marriage that she was thinking about. And so I prayed, and I don't know how that story ended, but I do remember a spirit of discernment coming on me, and me realizing, hey, there's something not right, and God wants to give you that discernment as well. Not so that you judge the person, we're going to talk about that in a second, but so that you pray for them. Amen. So that you and God together can can team up, if you will, team up on them and see them delivered from whatever they're going through. Well, this is, that's an interesting story. Here's a crazy story. And there was a pastor who got in on an airplane, <laughs> this was many years ago, got on an airplane and you know how, if you've flown on a plane, you get on and you're walking, all the seats are facing you, and if people have gotten on before you, you're walking through a a crowd of people that are just kind of looking at you or looking down or whatever. Well, as he made his way onto the plane, his eyes connected with somebody that was several rows back, and (laughs) as they were getting closer and closer, he saw on this man's forehead two words, adultery and adultery. The name of a woman, and so the pastor was so freaked out. It looked like somebody had written that name, you know, the, the, those words on his on his forehead. So he couldn't help but continue to stare at this guy, and this guy became more and more annoyed that this guy was looking at him, and and finally, he the Spirit of God kind of prompted him to to ask the man about the lady's name. So as he got up to him. The man asked him, why are you looking at me? And and the pastor asked, he says, does such and such a name mean anything to you? And this man just crumbled in front of him. Crumbled because he was hiding an affair that he was having with this woman. He was a married man hiding this affair. Long story short, this man gave his heart to the Lord because of the spirit of discernment, supernatural spirit of discernment that, uh, that was present right there. God can use you in these ways. He can use you in these ways. But where does it start? It starts here first. Let's get rid of these lies in my mind first. And then God can begin to use us however he wants to use us. We're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit, by the way. God has giftings for you. Special, wonderful giftings. We're not going to talk about those right now. So let's, let's just take a, a, a little break here, just real quick, and ask this question. Is there a difference between discernment and judging? Now, I'll never forget something my dad told me. i never forget many things my, my mom and dad told me. But I, I was a teenager, and I can't remember what the conversation was, but there was a high school friend that I shouldn't have been hanging out with, and my dad was kind of you know, encouraging me in that area. And, and I said, look, I'm not here to judge. I'm not judging that person. And my dad looked at me and he says, I'm not asking you to judge that person. I'm just asking you. And I don't know if you use the term discern, but I'm asking you to discern their life. Does, does it look like they're a good friend for you or not? And we use that all the time. In fact, you, I'm sure this happened probably to every single one of us. I don't judge people. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to judge people. Well, true, you're not here to judge people, but that doesn't make you an idiot that stands back and assumes that everybody's a good person, because they're not. And so there is a difference between discerning and judging, and God wants you to be a discerning person. He wants you to be a discerning person without taking on a judgmental kind of attitude towards people. Let's look at this in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 2. And this is what people go back to. I did this myself. You know, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. Don't judge because you will be judged. In fact, he goes on and says, for with the judgment you judge with, (laughs) you will be judged yourself. And with a measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now, if you look up this word, judge, in the Greek, which is what the original uh, Bible was written in, it means condemnation. Don't condemn people because you will be condemned yourself. And I've found that to be the case. When I get this attitude of just picking people apart and the, seeing their weaknesses, I feel more and more condemned myself. It, it is just a spiritual law that just happens. And so Jesus was saying, don't be a condemning person. God is the only one who can decide if somebody's guilty or if they're innocent. That's not up to me and that's not up to you, all right? So this is that's what judge judging means. On the flip side in Philippians 1.10, we read that we're encouraged to discern, all right? It says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Jesus Christ. And so God expects us to be discerning without condemning whenever we identify something that, that doesn't quite add up. So people who are uh, identify, I was in Goodwill uh, several, several months ago, and the cashier, there's several people in front of me, the cashier took $50 from a man. I watched her, I just happened to be watching. She felt the $50 bill, and she handed it back to the man, and she said, this isn't real. I was standing there, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Wish I could do that. And so people who learn how to identify counterfeit bills, they don't sit there all day long and feel fake bills. They take real bills and feel them over and over and over again. And the the more acquainted they are with the real bill, the easier it is for them to identify the counterfeit bill. And so God wants us to be discerning. The more we're in tune with the truth of God, the easier it is to identify lies. So get into the Bible, man. Come to church. Talk to Jesus. Listen to the Spirit of God. And as you do that, you will learn to identify the lies that are plugging you and the lies that are plugging other people as well. In fact, to discern means to distinguish by testing and approve by testing. To distinguish and say, I'm going to test what this person is telling me to see if it's true. I'm going to test if what I'm thinking lines up with the Bible. Test it to distinguish. You distinguish between look-alike. Look so judging is about deciding what's, who's innocent and who's guilty. That's none of your beeswax. If somebody's guilty or innocent, that's only God's trouble. So let's not even go down that path. But discerning is determining what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false. So it's time for us right now to outgrow our lies. It's time for us to shake off our lies and say, I'm not going to have any more to do with these thoughts about myself or about my future or about my past or about how I look or I am shaking off these lies that come from a bad relationship, from something that was said to me or done to me. I am done with them. I'm outgrowing my Lies today. Praise God. It says in Hebrews 5, verses 13 through 14, it says anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, which would also include lies from truth. Let's finish up here with just some final thoughts, and this is Did you know that God wants to be able to trust you? He wants to trust you. We're always talking about trusting God. But did you know that God wants to trust you? And I want you to make a self-assessment right now. Are you trustworthy? Can God trust you? If he tells you to do something, can he trust that you will do something? All right. Here's a second thought is... um, and maybe I got these backwards. I'm sorry. God wants you to be able to trust yourself. And I don't know. Sometimes I don't trust myself, especially when it comes to eating. It's frustrating. You know, I can't even trust myself to tell myself no to a blasted cookie or a cake. Right? I, I can't trust myself. God wants you to be able to trust yourself that when you tell yourself no, it means no right? Or when you tell yourself, I am going to do this this week, that you do what you say. Keep your word to yourself, right? I'm going to do this this week, then do it this week. God wants you to be able to trust yourself. But the point is this, is once you stop believing all these lies, you are ready to be trusted by God. And that's when your life starts taking off. You start doing mighty things for Jesus. Your joy goes to the seal and your peace is there. You become a different person, the person of your dream. So how can we get rid of these lies uh, that, that go through our minds? Well, we have to do the reverse of how they got there to begin with. in, Re- in Romans one it says they exchange the truth about God for a lie. Well, how can you get rid of a lie? Then exchange the lie for a truth. Say, all right, my lie is about my self-esteem, all right? I don't like myself very much, maybe. Well, get some verses in the Bible about what God thinks about you and how much God loves you, all right? And exchange your lie for a truth. If you think your future is bleak and you're not going anywhere in life, then start finding a truth about the wonderful future God has planned for you. He's got hope for you. He's got a plans for you. And exchange the lie for a truth, and that becomes a wonderful exercise that is almost never-ending. So let's finish up just with this. In Hebrews 16, 18, it says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, which is really cool, by the way, we who have fled, what have we fled from? From lies, from practicing deceit. We have fled from those to take hold of the hope that is set before us, that we may be greatly encouraged. When you stop believing lies, you'll have hope, and you'll be greatly encouraged. So let's take the six reasons for lying that we talked about at the very beginning. Cover up wrongdoing, avoid punishment, avoid embarrassment and shame, trying to portray a false image of yourself, trying to hurt somebody. It's a habit, a stronghold. How can a relationship with Jesus free you from any one of these six uh, pitfalls of lying? Well, If you're trying to cover something up, then, and this is all about relationship with Jesus. By the way, man, it is so wonderful to have a relationship with Jesus. I hope all of you have a relationship with Jesus. I hope for you kids that you don't just come to church because your parents make you come to church. I hope you have a relationship with Jesus. All right. God doesn't have grandparents. Did you know that? God only has children, and each one of us, and I'm talking to the people that are under 20 right now, get a relationship with God. You need a relationship with God yourself, all right? So here's what a relationship with Jesus looks like. If you're trying to cover up wrongdoing, then just come to him, open up and say, I admit I did wrong, Jesus, That's a wonderful relationship. I did wrong, Jesus. And talk to God about your wrongdoing. Just be open and honest. If you're trying to avoid punishment, go to Jesus and acknowledge Jesus. You were already punished for the wrongdoing. I don't have to lie about it because you already received punishment for my wrongdoing. That's relationship. If you're trying to avoid embarrassment or shame, Well, you go to Romans 8, 1, one of the best verses in the whole Bible, man. It says, there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm inside of Christ. If you're trying to portray this false impression of yourself, then you say, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to try to prove anything to anybody. I'm going to take this weight off myself and I'm going to enjoy God's love for me. He accepts me just like I am. And then we start the change process, obviously. If if you're trying to hurt somebody, then forgive G- just as Jesus forgave. That's very relationship-oriented. And lastly, if you have the habit of lying, <laughs> then start listening to God's truth and learn from God. Learn from God. Don't just listen to God. Learn from Him. And I think every week, every one of us should have something That we've learned from God every week. Every week. If you can't remember the last time you learned something from God, man, start this week. Learn something new, listen to Him. Let's pray.